Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, folks, welcome back to a brand new Mount Westwire football podcast. It's only been a week, Matt. Only a week, but it seems longer for me for some reason. It's because every week seems longer. It is. Website's mwr.com. So that's where you can find all of our basketball, football stuff as we still chugging along, plugging along. We've got a coaching grade. I finally promised like three weeks ago that's posted this week. So we're going to talk about that. We've got some coaching changes. We have some... I'm using my air quotes, fake all-star games and also real all-star games. They're, some, they're all real. They all count for something. Sorry, actual games? <laughs> they, they do, but well, what, why, do you, why do you think I'm not correct? I mean, not, not everybody can go to the Senior Bowl. There's only so many, so many roster spots for them to go around. And, you know, with some of the more, you know, periphery kind of, I don't know if you want to call them all-star games or like scouting kind of based bowl games – you know, for guys on the on the periphery who may not necessarily be slam dunk NFL draft picks, you know, it's an opportunity for them to kind of get a sense of all of their opportunities. Like, you know, the, the CFL, I think, is supposed to be there. The NFL will also be there. You know, other kinds of football leagues that are out there that are, you know, the, the XFL is not a thing anymore. But I, I, It's going I, to I'm be. No, it's coming back. I saw, it's coming some, back. I saw some, I, thought, I want to say it was called like the Spring League Yeah, or something Johnny like Manziel is trying to be part of that. Yeah, so you know these guys still have something that they are working toward, and so whether it's you know a platform like you know the Shrine Bowl, which isn't going to be happening this year, or the Senior Bowl, which as far as I know they're not having a game, though they're having practices or something like that. That's in five days apparently. I'm looking on their Senior Bowl websites, double checking. I know the Hula Bowl will get to a real game, Shrine game not happening. I'm assuming the NFLPA game not happening. But if they have practices, that's the most important part. Anyways, the games like honestly doesn't matter. No, I mean the game. The game. The result doesn't necessarily it's matter. It's for fun. What the athletes put into it for their, you know, for their professional stock, definitely matters. And I think there's in, in the case of the Hula Bowl, which we'll talk more about in a little bit. You know, there are some guys from the Mountain West that could very well kind of make their break for for being drafted, or if not drafted, then you know, being seen as a a very kind of viable 
you know, undrafted free agent, because we always know that at least a handful of guys make a big impact from that kind of uh, that pot of athletes. You do. Let's just get to it right now. We'll just start with this with switch order. If you put a good tweet out about Devonta Adams, like, and some of your playback with Shaq Barrett about underrated Mountain West guys that yeah. get taken later than they should. Like, they, like Shaq Barrett's a really good example. Devonta Adams, we were talking before, he went to what fifty four overall to Green Bay. Should have mm-hmm. been higher. Derek Carr probably should have been a first round pick, but he's been so 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 far with the Raiders. He's had that one year before he broke his back. But like, you have guys where. I think it's a thing of, like, will they play in the Mountain West? They're not great, but, like, Tariq Thompson, these guys, San Diego State, they're DBs who are taking off. Trey Walker, who declared, declared for the draft, not transferring, but uh, actually going to the draft. Like, these guys probably get taken lower than they should have, and they'll probably – they could be, a lot of them will be pretty good. Like, yeah. there's guys like um, – who is it for Nevada? He's with the um, – what's the all-pro, the offensive lineman for Cleveland Browns? Like Joel Petonio, another yeah, second-round pick. Yeah, second-round pick. Like, they're not being low picks, but – there's guys where it's like it's like the tweet you mentioned from Mountain West. It's like they had as many All Pros as like all these other Power Five leagues combined. Mm-hmm. It's like there's plenty of talents. So like these guys, like they're not all first rounders. Like you're not you're, you'll some bust like Garrett Grayson, a third rounder to the Saints, never panned out. You'll have guys like that who are just kind of yeah, they just kind of fizzle just because. But also guys who could go later that'll that'll be really good. Like we'll see what Darwin Thompson does. He's going to the Super Bowl now at the Chiefs. But they're like Jordan Love is a weird example too. Like he's not even active for half these games. Mm-hmm. And you see a comment Aaron Rodgers made today about his future's kind of up in the air, which I kind of think is kind of like fake. I he, did see that, but he can, I, I don't. There's no way that's real, right? There's zero chance that's real. That he's not. He's not going to be done. No way. He was so good this year. He'd probably be the MVP, right? Well, I don't think he said he doesn't know about his future in Green Bay. I don't know if he was referring to his future period, which is the more interesting narrative, I think. Regardless, that helped Jordan Love maybe possibly be the starter next year, mm-hmm. or at least be in the front runner. Just saying, like, that was a – could have been a heat-in-the-moment statement, but did you watch that game at all? Did you check I out – I So let me ask you this. I want to get to it because there's there's not a ton of actual stuff to go about. Should he have ran the ball on third down there instead of trying to jam it in there to, like, Devontae Adams? I don't think he would have made it. But it would have been fourth and, like, two, though. Like, at the at fourth yeah, and Yeah, and I think two. that's the calculus you have to keep in mind. I don't think he would have made it to the goal line. I think one of the two guys defending at the goal line – probably would have wrapped him up a yard or two before he got to the goal line. But yeah, I think it would have made it a much more viable fourth and goal situation than I think they would have faced otherwise. It was a weird game. I can watch him like every throw I could tell, I could see the screen and watch him like it's going to Devontae Adams. It's going to Devontae Adams every mm-hmm. single time. And it's like they had him covered extremely well. It's like, I don't know. It's like, not to be a Packers thing, but like, it's also how good Adams is. Like at first no one now, like he's just, like the best receiver, and then I, it was just to watch him go. Like he had the room to go, he could have done for it. That's like it, like it's not even the game. But like, what did you go for? It regardless, you're down eight. You kick a stupid field goal. Because st- here's the thing I was thinking about. Like, there's two options you can think about. You go for it and you miss it. They're inside the five yard line, and they have to Patriots have, or not Tom Brady, whatever has to go to the full whatever. Not even score, but just kind of hold the ball. But they kick the field goal. And you're not going to pin him back far enough. I thought that was like the stupidest decision. Like, why are you not going for it? The Super Bowl is literally on the line. Yeah. I don't know. But th- those games are they're interesting. But no autos in the Super Bowl. But guys get in, in the NFL. There's more Mountain West guys. Like, it's is it a weird thing? Like, we see good guys like Bobby Wagner, Adams, Alex Smith's career when he's been up and down, been pretty good with the Chiefs and Niners and what he did this year. 
You have like guys making all pro guys, punters, kickers, all these guys do doing well. How is that not translated into more players coming from Mountain West? At least a couple here or there. It's a good question. Like I have in one of my leagues, like I have a dynasty football league that nobody cares about, but I randomly decided to pick up Keyshawn Johnson, who's on the Cardinals. Because mm-hmm. I think he could be pretty good. He's like in year two or three. But like there's these guys like him, like or you have Rashard Higgins who had that we talked about last week where he got busted up, up at the goal line for that stupid fumble in the back of the end zone. Like mm-hmm. there's guys who are out there. Like you have um you have Warren Jackson this year who should be really good. Trey Walker, you have plenty of guys who get picked, but did the, we notice like we're on Twitter all stuff all the time, like do these schools not promote enough or mention like, hey, you could be a Devontae Adams, hey, you could be a Bobby Wagner. Hey, you could be whatever player Boise State has in the NFL. You know what I mean? Like that, you think that'd be a bigger selling point in some of these positions? I mean, I think that it probably is, just maybe not in a way that is t- always visible to us as outsiders. Like I think when you're when you're a coach, and you know you're thinking about you know your your next recruiting class and and knowing what you want to do best. I think you, you can look to examples and they don't necessarily even have to be like superstar examples. And, and I think the best example that I can think of of that is, is like Andrew Wingard at mm-hmm. Wyoming. Right. You know, he's with the Jacksonville Jaguars now. You know, last year, I think he was the only undrafted rookie free agent to, to make the opening day roster. And, you know, he started four games this year. He played in 13 games. He had a couple of big interceptions to kind of bookend the season. He was a guy that went out there and, and made plays, and I think he's kind of the uh, he's kind of the selling point, one of them anyway, for what Wyoming ultimately kind of wants to, to be overall. What Craig Bull can point to and say, look, you know, we put hard nosed physical guys into the NFL, and if you go here, you may have a chance to to be the next one of those kinds of guys. And so I think I think that that kind of thing happens. It may not necessarily be for for our sake, like on social media or whatever. I know, but you think it should be. There are schools that do a good job. Like they pump up, hey, we got this guy in the playoffs this week. Like Wyoming does a really good job. Like they'll retweet stuff from for Josh Allen and the Bills or when other guys are out there making good plays. Like they they do a good job doing that. Like I get the emails all the time from Utah State NFL Players of the Week or Aggies and the Pros. Like we get all those emails all the time. It's a – is the league – being appropriately valued, do you think, like these guys? Like, you kind of think that's not the case a little bit, like where they're selected possibly. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's some guys I think, and I think we have this discussion year in and year out when it comes to the draft. You know, there were guys I think we expected to maybe be, or like if it were up to us as, as guys who watch a lot of Mountain West football in particular, we would be like, okay, these we know these guys can play. So you should be, you know, drafting them a little sooner. They should be hotter commodities than I think a lot of, a lot of maybe more objective observers might might suspect them to be, but you know I, it's one of those things where you know, when one of these guys breaks out, you know, and not like I said, not always in a Devonte Adams kind of way. That's crazy. He's like the best receiver in football. Yeah, but I think you know, like a, a, a maybe more subtle version of that in this guy that we touched upon in the last podcast is Jason Sanders, the former New Mexico kicker, mm-hmm. who you know I don't I don't believe he was a drafted he may have been a seventh round draft pick but you know he came from a program that has a really strong recent track record of you know developing really strong special teams you know even if they were shaky kind of elsewhere on the roster and he came in and he stabilized the position that they needed him to he was an all pro this year 
And you, know, you can guarantee that, you know, Dana Gonzalez and, and Rocky Long are probably looking at the specialists of the future and being like, you know, you could be the next link in that kind of success. You know, you know, there are already guys in, in some of these, uh, you know, postseason scouting games that we, that we alluded to a little bit earlier that could be the next man up in the professional ranks. Like Tyson Dyer, for instance, I believe is part of the Hula, uh, the Hula Bowl, excuse me. So I think, like I said, I think these pitches happen. I think they just differ a little bit from team to team. It's true. Like one one guy too. It's like I just pull up here, like Michael Gallup. He could mm-hmm. be third round pick. Like he was a bear, that's still like if you're basically let's pick eighty one. So it's still a fairly high pick. But we felt like why is he not taken higher? And he's in a pretty yeah. good spot. The Cowboys because they have Michael Gallup. They have um, Armari Cooper and they um, who they get the guy from. Not Jerry Judy, but the other guy, C.D. Lamb. You're talking about C.D. Lamb, yeah. yeah. C.D. Lamb, yeah. Like, so he, he may not be the number one guy, but they have, like, three really good receivers at this point, like the quarterback. Like, he's in a really good spot, too, to be a guy where he may not be, like, an all-pro guy down the road, but he could be a guy where he could get, like, what, 70 catches and, like, six touchdowns and, like, maybe 1,000 yards. They could have, like, 3,000-yard receivers with who they have. Yeah. And, like, the, the most shocking pick the past couple of years was the Rashard Penny pick to Seattle at the end of the first round. Mm-hmm. That was pretty shocking. Had he been healthy or he's still recovering ACL, we'll see. But like that's like one of the few picks where like, oh, he went way higher than we thought. Yeah. But there's plenty of guys like Darren Hall. I'm looking at the Senior Bowl. He's the only, if I'm correct, the only Mountain West guy on the Senior Bowl roster. Like, but he's really good. So that's yeah. part of it too. Like, is there a guy like we'll get through all these in a minute? Like, who's a guy like? I'm not sure. Top of my head, maybe we'll look at this more and talk more about it. But like, who do you think could be like maybe like one of the highest picks or like the because picks is subjective. It's not necessarily the best player. Like, is it a Darren Hall? Could it be – is it Oren Jackson who didn't play this year? Could it be Trey Walker? Like, who do you think might be, like, the honorary guy you're the first guy taking from the Mountain West? A Tree Thompson. A Parker Ferguson, pretty good. But I don't know. Who do you think? Do you have any early indication here in January, three months before the draft? I mean, without having a full list off the top – I'm kind of going off the top of my head. Me too, yeah. So I'm trying to kind of spitball on here. Some. You know, wide receiver, I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast, is, it's definitely a very, very stacked position in this year's class. And so I yeah. think, you know, Warren Jackson is probably going to be picked, I would say, at some point within the first four rounds. But I think, you know, he's got a lot of other more well-regarded wide receiver prospects in front of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he might be waiting a little longer than he would in, in other years. Which could be um, good for him, though, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, I have a feeling it'll probably be from one of the more kind of less heralded positions like it might be like an offensive lineman yeah. or something like that well the Fresno guy who Bert, I didn't play it's like he I'm with Cyrus was it Cyrus Chutale who could uh, be Tutel, yeah. Tutel, sorry could be really really good but he lack of playing due to injuries may not be that high because that's always a red flag yeah I mean he might it might end up being kind of like an Ezra Cleveland situation sure or if I recall correctly he was the first Mountain West player taken last year was he not he was a surprise high yeah, I believe so he was uh, I don't remember the pick but he was a uh, not surprised, but it was a mild surprise, I would say, of how he would be in that first guy taken. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm just kind of – I didn't mean to throw it out. I'm like, hey, let's just look at this real quick. I'm like, hold on a second. I didn't want to make it too crazy at you. But there's a couple of guys like – it might be one of the San Diego State guys. That would make a lot of sense. But let's just do this. I mentioned Darren Hall is the only Mountain West guy at the Senior Bowl. So, that to me indicates probably him. Because basically, if you're at the Senior Bowl – it's almost like a guaranteed to be drafted situation. Mm-hmm. Like you're one of those top guys. Like I'm looking at like Notre Dame has like eight guys or whatever, six guys. Oklahoma State has like three. Oklahoma five. Usually there's more. So that one, 
I, I'm guessing they're doing practices, so that'll be good. So, um, actually, no, there is a game. Hold on a second. Matt, I think there is a game at the Senior Bowl here. Because, um, no, they are going to do a game. Interesting. Yeah, so I'm looking here. It's on NFL Network. It's this Saturday, January 30th. It's down at Mo- Mobile, so it's at South Alabama instead of whatever field that Mobile was before. So, that they're... Actually, a game's going to be played, so that's something you can watch out for, I guess. Practices this week, but as for, I guess, the one game of all, most players, it's also going to be played the Hula Bowl. Looks like, here's who we have. Okay, we went through before, so I'm probably missing one. Tyson Dyer, Mexico player, mm. correct? Yeah. I, I have also Parker Ferguson, Lyman Air Force. Mm-hmm. Um, Tutela. Tuta, how do you say it again? Tutela? Tutel. Tutel, sorry. You gotta say every vowel in these names. Like script every, <laughs> yeah. every vowel is important. I should know because I can say "star blow to the lay" very well because I know that one quite well. But um, yeah, Trey Walker, who's now declared San Jose wide receiver, EJ Muhammad, DB to Mexico. Um, am I missing somebody else? I think I was missing somebody else. Correct? Hawaii. There's a couple guys from Hawaii. Rico Tuulima and yeah. uh, Rico, uh, Rico Busey, who didn't really have the year we thought he'd have. Not from, quite. From North Texas, I guess maybe the Graham Harrell effect is real, right? Or having a pretty good QB like Mason Fine. Um, so out of these guys, like, this bowl, if we're doing the pecking order, what's the hula bowl? Is it the, I don't want to say it, but is it the bottom of the bowl games? I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's definitely, because of the, I think it's new, it hasn't quite reached the status of those kind of long-established games like this Shrine Bowl or or the Senior Bowl or things like that. It's it's kind of like that, that second tier, uh, kind of along, what is it called, the Tropical Bowl? A tropical the that, yeah, the college NFLPA Bowl as well, I think, is a thing. Yeah, that's a newer one as well. So, I mean, I think there's kind of like the old guard of these kind of showcase games and the new guard, and the Hula Bowl is definitely one of those new guard ones. Yeah, and I think the Senior Bowl, is this, is this still only seniors only or fourth-year guys? I believe so, yes. So there's that as well. So that's a thing, too, where it's only guys who are eligible to play, which is dumb. It's like if you're for the draft, go do it because I work with a guy – and years ago, he went. This guy Scott Mitchell went to the Lions and Dolphins. Like he left the University of Utah as a junior, there was nothing for him to go to. There was a Senior Bowl, he couldn't go to. He couldn't even go to the NFL Combine because years ago the Combine was just for seniors only. So they had like some mini Combine where he still got picked pretty good by the Dolphins. I think he was a top. I think fourth round was still top hundred back then, back in like ninety one or whatever it was. But mm-hmm. like they, they've expanded that well, where the Combine more if you're eligible, you can go and get selected. Senior Bowl, it might be Red Shoot Juniors, but these more other bowl games just give more opportunities to be seen because there's how many guys, like you mentioned, Wingard, who go undrafted. Or look at, um, who was it for the Jacksonville Jaguars this year, the running back? Was it James Robinson? Was he James under- Robinson. Was he undrafted? Yes, he was. Undrafted, and like, he's on every fantasy football team and probably could be Offensive Rookie of the Year. And mm-hmm. so more opportunities to be seen. And this year will be interesting. We haven't mentioned this. The combine is all virtual this year. Yeah, and you know, I think the NFL it was either today or yesterday. We're recording on Sunday, the twenty fourth of January, that they released kind of the guidelines for what this kind of part of the the draft, the the run up to the draft, is going to look like, and it's a lot different than it usually is, which I think only raises the importance of these kinds of uh, showcase games. So I didn't read over that. What does it exactly say? I must have not seen that part. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I don't recall all of the details. I just remember it had something to do with, you know, establishing guidelines for how many people can be in one place at one time. But I don't remember it. Okay, uh, I did see it out there. Oh, I actually did do some research looking for something. And they mentioned, like, the only type of medical tests you can do, depending on your right amount of people. It was something like that, yeah. yeah. People on the facility can't really be there. Um, he needs to be advised. Like, the president, it's prohibitive NFL rules for... Like being on a facility, has to leave right away. A violation could be involve club or club employees penalties. So yeah, like a ta- it could be essentially tampering. And so you got to do different. It's, it's going to be unique ways because the remember the combine is like the first last or the last big thing we could people really did to get together and do stuff. You know what I mean? Like because that was in mm-hmm. what late February, early March. So here's where it comes down to like we'll get back to some other players, but this kind of goes into where it hurts the Mountain West, where you played fewer games. Especially if you're a team like San Jose State played a fewer games. You had Boise didn't play very many games. Like people know Avery Williams for Boise State, so it's not a, as big a deal. But if you're a guy who's a fringe guy, who's a senior guy, and you want to just leave and test it, and you're pretty good but not great. You have less film. I like I I know the NBA had weird virtual like meetings and combines. Like here's the thing: with the combine. Yeah, the NFL is doing something similar. You know, it, being there in person is really only going to be allowed at these All Star games. In at pro days. Yeah. And, and then the fact that they could only have oh, a maximum of three people at those pro days. Yeah. So that's and, and things like that. So they're, they're, they're adding kind of these safeguards in a way that, that under normal circumstances, these they would not necessarily need them. But here's the, I don't know if that's necessary. Cause the combine, okay, 40 yard dash, you don't need, you don't need to be there in person. The deadlift, your bench press, your long jump, the slap in the vertical, the little flings that flip around. Like, you, you, do you need to be there in person to see that? I know that's not what they're always looking at. Because in interviews, like you can interview and ask the stupid, awkward questions that always get panned because you're an idiot and trying to get a rise out of a guy. Those would be differently in their video. But like a lot of the stuff they already do at the combine, I get it. They can look at your demeanor, how you're getting ready to go if you're focused or whatnot. But like most of the drills outside of like catching and throwing, you don't need the combine. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I know what you mean because that's why the film exists. Yeah, there's film, but there's film, but I mean also like they want to get up close look at you. But like even doing those same drills, the three cone drill, like why do you need to be in person to see that? Like yeah, and and I think that to that effect, one of the kind of wrinkles they've thrown in as a way of kind of making everybody's life easier is that times and measurements are supposed to be made available league wide. Good. Yeah. So at a, at a minimum, you'll have kind of the the measurable numbers in the same way that you would if you went to like mock draftable, for instance. Yeah. And you can like video those things too. Like here's our official team guide videoing everybody, like yeah. doing all these different things. And you can have the you can have a little bug in the corner with the clock for the forty or whatever they want to do. If you're having a pro day and it's like I've I've seen pro days, it's the same type of deal. I've covered them. Like the only time you need more than one person is if you're throwing the ball, and that's where if you have three people. It may what it could do a couple of things like if you're a receiver like let's just say like I know a guy oh this guy Christian Stewart used to play at BYU like he didn't play very much he came in here and there like hit a big game versus Mexico State and whatnot like for injuries last year or two of his career and he had, on this radio show produced he'd join us occasionally just to talk about quarterback stuff at BYU when he was graduated 
they needed the quarterback at like they have like you know they have statewide pro days for some places yeah. like the regional like if you're an FCS school like they'll bring a cluster like or if there's one at University of Utah pro day may have guys from Weber State a couple from Utah State who want to do an extra pro day or something different parts of the area to come by so yeah. they needed another quarterback so he just showed up like or not just showed up but he's asked like hey we need a guy to throw the ball and it's he's under no pressure just messing around like he's doing what they're telling him he can throw the ball pretty well like. He already had a pretty good gig lined up, like a financial career after. But like, there's guys who wanted him, like, hey, come join us for the San Francisco 49ers. We'll send you to our practice squad or undrafted guys. Like, he had no wanting to do it because he had a really good job going. Like, practice squad, you don't make a ton of money, relatively speaking. So he didn't want to do that. But if this is the case, like, if you're a quarterback who, let's say even you're an underclassman, not even a guy who's going to be drafted because you're coming back for school, or even if you are, and you can only have two guys at a time throwing the ball to but you have to come back, say, one, like two, three, four times to throw at everybody. How much more valuable is that for those guys, too, than doing one pro day where you're throwing to seven or eight guys, where mm-hmm. you're throwing to the same seven or eight guys, but over a three day period or something? Like, there's also some benefits to this as well. If you're a quarterback or a certain position that needs, that we, they have to have to see to help, you're there to help everybody else out, but clearly you're going to be throwing maybe three times as many passes or seeing, being seen over multiple days. Yeah. So I don't know how that affect the Mountain West, but like these are very important. But like when I was getting back to like fewer games, no out of conference, which hurts this year. Like, do you, does it does it hurt a guy like Warren Jackson at all that he didn't get to play this year? I don't think so because I think he's probably kept himself. I would assume he's kept himself fingers crossed, right? <laughs> yeah, and and I think that consider. I mean, and I hate to say this, but considering the way the season kind of unfolded for Colorado State, probably better. It, yeah, because the offense looked out of sorts at times, it looked very kind of, you know, concentrated on its on its absolute best players, which, you know, maybe that could have included Jackson. But I don't know that it necessarily hurt him that much because it's not like the offense looked like he was thriving without him, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's, and then with freaking, which we'll get to when we talk about the coaching grades, like freaking Steve Adagio wanted to play Todd Centennial for some reason, maybe mm-hmm. too much. So there's that as well. So it's. Not like out of all these guys, it'll help. Like any quarterbacks that want to try to go to NFL, it could help. But the virtual thing will be very unique. But the there, like I said, that's why there's film. And when there's actual practices, these will be huge, like the Hula Bowl, the Senior Bowl practices for those guys. Like, and also what we should mention, like the Academy, like Air Force, Navy, Army, like there was the back and forth where, because remember, we had the Jalen Robinette thing, like, oh, the Chiefs wanted him, he's gonna be drafted like the day of the draft. Who, and whatever the White House or administration's like, well, no, they they pulled back and said, no, you cannot get an exemption to go pro. Like there's a what was it? There's some Air Force pitcher as well as finally in the major leagues. He couldn't pitch. Griffin Jacks. Yeah, I was trying to think. I knew it was Jacks, but Griffin Jacks. Like he's able to play now. He couldn't come right away. Jalen Robinette, who I don't think he may have been a practice squad somewhere now, but like, but now these guys can go right away and serve their, which is a bigger, if you think about it, a way bigger promotional tool for Air Force Army. To serve the country, if you have a guy in the NFL who in the offseason, maybe it's four years she's going every every weekend or every other weekend during the offseason to recruit or speak or whatever. But a guy like Parker, it could help like Parker Ferguson could be really one of the top. He could be the first guy taken in the Mountain West. But that's a big thing to look out as well just because these guys normally aren't able to leave and play right away. They have to wait the two-year commitment. So he's a guy I'm really looking forward to see what he can do. But injured guys. But there's... There may be six to eight guys taken, but these practices are like going to be just B 
beyond huge to be able to get to see because they're big anyways. Because if you're a guy from Air Force or CSU, you can go up against a guy against Florida State or a top fifty. Nah, maybe they're a bad example. <laughs> Florida State's not very good, but you can get my my point. Like guys from like Cal or from like Indiana was good this year. Marshall is a decent team or Northwestern or, or basically like-minded guys. Were you good because you're beating up everybody? Or are you really that good because you're just way better than everybody else? You get to prove yourself against a guy from like Texas A&M or something. Yeah. But like these games, like what what do you what do you want to get out of these games? Like what do you think these practices? Is there any guy out there before we move on to our coaching grade stuff? Like we have a, only about six or eight guys that are practicing. Like there's the Shrine stuff really quick. Avery Williams, Warren Jackson, Stonehouse, and Drake Thompson, but it's more of like a honorary thing. So I don't even know if Warren Jackson is even going to do anything. Because the Shrine Games not doing no practices at all. So that's an interesting thing too. The collegiable might be. Like, is there a guy who can make a name for himself from these games that's being invited that you think? Like, could it be like your boy, the guy from Fresno? Like, is he one? Of the, he's not like my top guy, possibly. I mean, I think the three offensive linemen potentially have the most to gain. And I think a lot of it has to do with you know, kind of how their profiles may or may not change on the pro level. Like you mentioned Parker Ferguson, who has been basically one of the best tackles in, in college football anywhere, mm-hmm. um, by both kind of the traditional and the more advanced metrics by pro football focus. But as I'm sure you're well aware, like on the NFL level, he's going to be severely undersized as a tackle. And so I think the question is, you know, are they going to try him out at like at guard? Are they going to try him out at center and see what kind of, you know, flexibility he might be able to add to an NFL offensive line. You know, for a guy like, uh, you know, Tuulima, for instance, you know, we know that he's a very, very good pass blocking center. And so I think it'll be more about, you know, showing that he can have, you know, the requisite power to be a center on the pro level of, you know, when it comes to like run blocking, when it comes to those kinds of things, you know, you know, basically kind of demonstrating that it's, you know, that he has all the wherewithal for like the, the mental capacities of being a center, like being able to, you know, call protections or identify protections and things like that. Um, and, and for Tuatel, I think, you know, he's definitely, I think, among the three guys, the biggest physically. Like, he was listed last year at 6'6", 318 pounds. Oh, that's a big boy. Yeah, so it'll be, but it'll be interesting to see if he has the same kind of, like, yeah, and, and it's not a one-to-one comparison, but, like, you know how, like, Natani Muti, for instance, made a name for himself last year by, like, having that mm-hmm. high-popping power on the bench press? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, like, if he, if he could bring something like that to the table, or kind of like Ferguson, if he can show that he he's a flexible piece in a different kind of way, maybe rather than playing, you know, maybe he can prove that he can play tackle on the next level. Tackle, guard, combination, whatever, whatever a team is looking for. I think those three guys, maybe more than the rest, have a little more to gain. And and it's not to, to disrespect the other guys, like like Trey Walker, for instance. I think you know he's got a lot to prove as a guy relative to a lot of the more elite. I think the guys who right now have a first round grade, he's a little bit undersized compared to some of those other guys. Mm-hmm. And so I think that he's got a you know a little bit to prove in in it. You mentioned Keyshawn Johnson earlier. I think it's a similar kind of challenge. Like they aren't the same kind of player. But I think you know he's got you know he's a little bit undersized where where Johnson was for instance didn't necessarily yeah. have that elite speed even though he was very proficient as a route runner and, and has proven to be kind of a very useful role player for the Cardinals. Um, so I think that you know everybody has a little something that they have to overcome 
But I think for my money, the guys who are on the offensive line have the most to gain. I think put together a good uh, a good afternoon at the Hula Bowl. Yeah, looking at Ferguson really quick, he's six five two ninety. Yeah, which his height is good. As looking around while you're talking, like the average offensive lineman or tackle, like what most recent thing I could find or the quickest thing was a Business Insider article, which is kind of where they're doing sports stuff. But in 2015, the average lineman in general, not just tackle, 6'5", but 3'12". So he's a slightly undersized guy. So he could mm-hmm. be like, remember Robert Gallery, who's like the number three overall pick yeah. for the Raiders? Like he was supposed to be this huge tackle from Iowa. He ended up not playing much tackle. Like a number For his being his pick, you don't want to take a guard number two or three overall, whatever he was. But he had like a 12-year career. It was really good because he's versatile to be like a starting guard and like a backup tackle when needed. And so like maybe Ferguson could be that guy where he could be like the reserve or number two tackle but a starting guard. Like he can add 15 pounds. I, I don't think that's an issue because his height is there. So that's just one thought I want to bring about the lineman being. So you're, you're thinking like the upside is he, he proves he can be another Ben Garland. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, why not? Because But he also has a size. Like if he gets 20 more pounds, he could be a good starting tackle possibly. If his Possibly. game plays out, but I mean, size-wise, he's not that far off. But 20 pounds, it's a fairly big difference. But I think there's a possibility for him to grow into that a little bit more because the academy, like, they're busy, busy, busy. They're doing all stuff, and the workouts would be different in NFL. But they can – any guy coming to NFL, going from college to NFL and what your diet is and what the nutrition guys you're working with, you're going to be able to gain a few, a few pounds here and there, and I think that wouldn't be an issue for him. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. All right, let's do this real quick. We're done with this stuff. We need to do a – I'm trying to think of a good intermission because we have the one topic that's, like, not related to anything. The with what we're going to do is Colorado State losing a coach to Vanderbilt? It hasn't been confirmed all the way yet, but it's looking like that's the case. Joey Lynch, the offensive coordinator. So, first off, and this will maybe lean into our coaching grades, actually – did we like this Rams offense last year? And whose fault was it? <laughs> it's really hard to say because I think it's clouded a little bit. Like you mentioned earlier, the the kind of unnecessary quarterback controversy that they never really fully resolved. No, Steve. And, and now all of a sudden, like, you know, Patrick O'Brien, of course, is, is transferred out to Washington. Santeo, I believe, is, is supposed to be back. Oh, um, yeah, but And then, of course, they have a, a very highly regarded freshman quarterback who, you know, you never know. He could come in and make a, a big impact on the race starting in the spring. Um, so, I mean, it's just one of those things where it's it's hard to know. They're hard, it's really kind of hard to parse the blame. You just kind of know that there's a little bit to go around. Yeah, because like like we knew like I, I I still I still believe and we'll get to it when we talk to coaching grades. We'll just kinda of move that into the situation in your conversation, but we know we all know why he wanted Centennial to play versus Fresno because he saw Shavon Cordero run like crazy over Fresno, like, Oh, I got a mobile quarterback, let's do that too. But then he kept going back to it and it just wasn't working. Like mm-hmm. I get their games they didn't have Dante Wright, they were down receivers or down players, but like their offense overall like, when you look at, like, totals, like, just total offense, like, yards per play, they're sitting at 10th. Like, their yards per game wasn't very good. They weren't scoring a lot of points. They were getting blown out. They don't win many, they, they didn't win many games. What they go? What? They won three I games. I think they ended up 2-2, two and two, if I'm not mistaken. In conference play, yeah. I, just, I had the record before. But, like, they weren't exactly – I still don't know how they beat Wyoming. 
Like, that still baffles me a little bit how they beat them. No, they went 1-3. That's what it was. Four games they played. And all their losses were double digits, I believe, if I'm correct. Let me get it here. Yeah. Getting blown up by Fresno, 27 points. Good boy State, special team fiasco. And then getting crushed by San Diego State with not a good quarterback and no Greg Bell. So, him going, like, is he leaving to take a decent job at Vanderbilt? Because he's going to be the quarterback's coach. He's not even the offensive coordinator. And their passing game coordinator. Maybe he wants to be able to have a quarterback that can pass the ball. <laughs> well, I mean, you mentioned you mentioned Vanderbilt as being like a step up, and or yeah. <laughs> whether it's a step up, I guess is maybe money more possibly. accurate framing. And I think that that's fair to say because Vanderbilt is definitely a hard job. Um, I mean, I think that everybody kind of likes the the head coaching hire that they made. Clark Lee was mm-hmm. from from Notre Dame, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, man, um, he was five years with the Packers. Yeah, so. Or no, that's somebody else. Sorry, apologies. As far as whether it's a step up from from Fort Collins to Nashville, I'll kind of leave that up to other people to decide. But I think you know, given Lynch's track record, I think you know, one down and very strange year shouldn't necessarily erase what he contributed. For instance, to Ball State before that, which I think is why they brought him to Fort Collins to begin with. You know, he proved a guy who was very creative, you know, could balance a, a, a strong and a, a really kind of dynamic running game with, you know, a, a host of playmakers in the passing game. So, I, I mean, I, it would have been nice to see what he could have done with a more straightforward and normal year. And so for the Rams, you know, given what they have at this point, you know, like their quarterback situation is totally up in the air. Like their their running back situation seems set at the top. Like Marcus McElroy, I believe, is coming back. And yeah. John Vivens is also coming back. We know Dante Wright is going into his junior year. You know, we Trey McBride is coming back. So I mean, it's, it's not without its questions, but it's going to make it really interesting to see who they bring in to replace him because I don't think that there's an obvious answer to simply promote from within on the staff. So I'm, I'm interested in whether they try and find someone else who has that kind of Lynch type of background or whether they go with someone who's closer to what Adazio did during his days at Boston College, where they were a little more conservative, and a little more run heavy and things like that. Yeah, I I, I don't know. It's like, like I get it because it's not, because the coach I'm bringing in, sorry, they brought in the Arizona Cardinals coach to be the OC. But so like it's not like if he's taking – the same job, like he's not being the coordinator at Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. So, and he did spend what eleven years at Ball State, six with the OC. But it's just a move where I guess it could be a difference of philosophy. It was like, why am I going to stay here? Well, look what I did at Ball State. Look at the talent I probably could have. I don't, all the things you just mentioned: quarterback play, receivers gone, receivers coming in, talent. It's kind of a mixed bag, sort of overall. But like, and he knows that Dazio wants to run the ball a lot, and so. I don't blame him, but it's also like, not to crap on Vanderbilt, but it's also like the toughest job in the SEC, and you're not even the coordinator. Like, look at Lynch's, think of it this way if you're him for, because he made 315000 at um, Vanderbilt, or excuse me, at Colorado State. I'm wondering if he'll maybe make about the same as being the coordinator, or being passing game coordinator and QB coach, or whatever he's going to be with um, Vanderbilt. Like, that might be the same amount for like Mm -hmm. a, like, technically, like, hierarchy of your coaching level. Or a position coordinator clearly higher than quarterback coach, passing game guy. That's a but you're in a power five league. We're also at Vanderbilt. What's his next job going to be? Because odds are it's not going to work out at Vanderbilt for anybody because it rarely has. 
Mm-hmm. And so, like, what would you rather be long term? A, a coach at CSU where you know where the offense is going, but then again, you came on knowing what the offense was going to be anyways. It's not like you. It's not like he was on staff from before. Like mm-hmm. he was brought in to help this offense and seeing how it was running. And who knows? There could be behind the scenes stuff. Like there's stuff we still don't know about the COVID stuff and protocols during the off season early on. There's the alleged racial stuff going on during the season or during. I think a week or two after that, back in like August and September, like maybe there's stuff behind the scenes we don't know. But it though outside of going to a Power Five job, it's arguably like the worst one in the country. But I as there been I haven't looked around too much because this is still not official news, but it's kind of like alleged or reported it's going to happen. You mentioned not hiring from within. Has there been have you seen any names about who they're going to bring in as their OC? Like at this point, I have see, not seen anything yet. No. Sitting here late January. Has Adazio ever been his own offensive coordinator call in place? That's a good question. I don't know that off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, here's one interesting, too, just to be noted for the CSU job. I'm over at Football Scoop. Um, they're, they've, they're reporting that Ball State receivers coach Alex Bailey is taking the same job at CSU. So maybe that can mean some, somebody else can be moving up within. But mm. it's going to be a guy where they want to run the ball. You know what I mean? Like, that's what he does, essentially. For with it was AJ Dillon as a Heisman finalist. I don't yeah. know. It's just an interesting move to that job. But let's get to the grades here. So the Colorado State grade, I need to pull it up here. We graded all the new first year coaches. Again, it took me like a month to post it. Apologies for everybody on that. He was breathlessly waiting for me to post this in our staff info. So we put CSU, I don't have these in the chronological or grade order, but it was not a good grade with one win. Everybody was really harsh. What did you give them? <laughs> Do you remember? I honestly don't remember. I filled this out a while ago. <laughs> yeah, my point. He did not get an F like Marcus Arroyo, which we'll get to. He got a D. My average was a D plus. And it goes to all the things we said, like mess around the quarterback play. Offense wasn't consistent. Defense, meh, they weren't close in games. They getting blown out. Which still, again, I'll bring it up. How the heck did they beat Wyoming, Matt? I still don't get that. I don't. I don't know. See, I think it really kind of de- depends on how you slice things because the offense was definitely a disappointment, and I think that's something that I've said before on this podcast. So, mm-hmm. you know, for most listeners, it's probably not a surprise. But the defense was a lot better than I think I expected it to be, and you know, the fact that they they're getting pretty much all of those major contributors back for 2021, I think is is a is definitely a sign of optimism for Rams fans. And so it just kind of depends on, I think, how much context you want to, to add because, you know, on defense on a points per base on excuse me points per drive basis they were a lot better than they were on the offensive side of the ball. I don't think that's any surprise to anybody. I think they've got to work on trying to diversify the offense. That it's not simply all about Trey McBride and Dante Wright. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got to improve the running game, which was, you know, it, it had its moments, but it was, I think, far from what Adazio or anybody else wanted it to be. So I, if so, I think if I were to give, to give them a grade right now, I'd probably just kind of call it you know, spring the difference. And if I were going to give like a B to the defense and a, uh, a D to the offense, I'd probably give Adazio a C overall for his first year. There were three people who gave him a C or one F and five Ds. Mm-hmm. I went with the D because the reason I went with the D because they won one game and every loss they weren't close. They were not competitive in so many games. And so that that's it. Like even Fresno, like the opener of Fresno State, 38 17. I remember playing that game like, oh, let's get Centennial in there, running the ball, doing what he did. But they were 
down 24-10 at halftime. Like, they were down 7-3 and never caught up in the game. So, if we're going to look from, I want to mention this projection like year one to year two, like, Adagio is a seasoned coach. And we've already mentioned who's coming back. The big key is, can the defense take another step forward? Because they were better than they have been. Still not great, but they they showed improvements. But I think the biggest thing, which you'll probably mention as well, is the quarterback play. It's like, who's going to be that guy? And well, I that, think the other thing, The other thing to keep in mind, too, is, you know, the Rams had a lot of strange things happen to them in the four games that they actually did play this year. And, and one, I would say, small sample caveats all over the place by the fact that they only got to play four games this year. Yeah, that doesn't help. But, you know, you, you think of the Boise State game, for instance, and all the really strange kind of once a season, if that, special teams turns of events. Or the fact that they had the, you know, the pick six and then the punt return touchdown yeah. against San Diego State, you know, which, which was, what, three weeks after that? Yeah. So it was not necessarily an ideal situation to begin with. You know, the fact that they had so much time off, you know, some of which was you know, outside of their control and some of which was within it. And so it's one of those things where I, I have a hard time, and this is, this is true of other teams too, I have a hard time judging any of these first-year head coaches too, too harshly as a result. No, I, I agree. That makes a lot of sense. But there were, it was a weird year for a lot, a lot of the things you mentioned. It also, I still go back to my reason for a low grade, like I mentioned, blowouts, and just screwing around at quarterback. He, like... I still, you and me are confused why, well, we kind of know why, but like, Todd Centeno should never have seen the field after that first game. Like, unless it's like two plays here, three plays here, but he played more than he thought, than anybody thought he should have. But I think next year, it's, I'm not going to, like, it's too hard. Like, I mentioned that in the piece where I put up, like, hey, just um, the first year coaches, it's a weird year, practices were shortened, were unique and different, you couldn't practice or participate you wanted. And you're right, the Rams, like, they missed... Multiple games. They only played four games. They played like every other week or if that. Like they did play – well, sorry, the dates aren't in front of me because they're all different for cancel. But there's gate time. But there's two, three weeks off in the season. Like their openers canceled. They missed back-to-back weeks. They didn't play their finale. That's mostly a Utah State thing. But I don't think that my grade would have changed had they played Utah State in one. Maybe I would have given a C possibly. I don't know. But going next year, like I think he'll get things going with the Rams. Like – I, like he's a pretty good coach at BC, and so him, I, mean, I don't think a bowl game can be next year. Cause we already discussed how tough the West will be. The Mountain won't be as difficult. He might go like four and five, maybe four to five wins. We'll look later down the schedule, but like he just underachieved from just from his bonehead decisions and blowout games. That's my thought. So mm-hmm. next coach, we'll go in order here now. Brady Hoke, the new, not new coach. I am shocked he got a B. Why is that? Well, look how the season ended. And it was, okay, there was injury issues. But then again, what what are you graded on? Winning, right? Like, my thought, you got to win. Um, it's not necessarily, well, maybe I'm going to talk myself out of it because I probably gave him the lowest grade. I think I gave him a, because looking at who voted, he actually got a C, a couple C's, a couple B's. He actually got a, he got an A and a D. I know I didn't mm-hmm. give him the D. But my thought being, they're not winning games, and that's kind of what a coach has to do. He did lose Greg Bell. He did have quarterback issues. But also, if you knew they had, had him Lucas Johnson, why did he wait to play him until that Nevada game? Like, because if you look going before there, they, um, oh shoot, what's his name? Carson Baker wasn't really lighting it up. They were playing well, they're winning, and maybe he didn't want to rock the boat there. But like, if he knew what 
Lucas Johnson was, why the heck was he sitting on him? San Diego State ended up being almost exactly what I expected them to be this year, <laughs> which was basically just a more kind of acute version of what they were in 2019, which is to say, you know, elite defense. Yeah. Like, period, no no qualifiers there, and then, like, no offense. And so I think, you know, with that in mind, the fact that they were able to get even better on defense especially is the thing that surprised me the most. Like, I think, it, I think it's fair for Aztecs fans to feel a little disappointed that the offense didn't necessarily get all the way they, to where they needed it to be to be, a, like, a true championship-caliber team. But I think the job that he did on defense, which is where he – he came back to the Mesa in order to, to be a part of that to begin with. That to me is, is a big deal because I think it, it makes me more optimistic about their chances just to, to reload after losing so many of those pieces that we mentioned earlier to the NFL draft. So to me, even though ending up four and four wasn't necessarily where they wanted to be, a B sounds about right to me. I thought it'd be more, maybe a touch lower just because the wins weren't there, but Maybe am I being too harsh? Like if he knew what he had in quarterback, like he should have played him before. Like they didn't necessarily have the same kind of like close game misfortune that some other teams in the conference did. I think it, like I mentioned earlier, I believe it was New Mexico was the only team in the conference that had more than one one score loss. But they, you know, San Diego State was the kind of team where even though they lost, you know, they lost by ten, they lost by ten, they lost by fourteen too. Uh, Excuse me. They lost by eleven to San Jose State. They lost by ten to Colorado, and they lost by fourteen to BYU. But they were never all the way out of it. They were never overwhelmed at any point this year. Yeah. So I think with that in mind, you know, the question kind of going into twenty twenty one is almost exactly the same as it was going into next year. Is just where can where can they find more consistent offense? That's a good point. Part of it too, injuries though. Remember, like Greg Bell was really good until he had the ankle injury. Yeah, so, that too. So that's a problem. And then the Lucas Johnson thing, which I mentioned over and over, like they they probably and they're unlucky too. Like they could have beaten Nevada even with Lucas Johnson not being healthy in the second half. Like mm-hmm. they held him the field goals. There were I believe there's interception they probably should have had at least once. There's a was there also a fumble deep in the red zone where they didn't recover? I don't recall that. I remember there's an interception they should have had. So maybe I guess a B B B minus is where it'd be, but you're right, like for what they had and going forward. And again, if Lucas Johnson is what we think he is and next year he comes in, like going forward, like, yes, it was like Darren Hall, Tariq Thompson, other defenders. Like Hoke's been around. Like he was the D-line coach now. He was the head coach a decade ago, did quite well. He's done well at the ball state. He did okay at Michigan before he got let go. So I think there's a um, – do you think that – obviously the future's bright, right? You know what I mean? Like there's no reason yeah. to think it won't be. Yeah, I mean, San Diego State's on that list of teams that should definitely be a contender for the conference title next year. It's just a matter of, you know, they if they if they have the same questions as before, you know, you, you could construe that as a good or a bad thing. It, and then a lot of it will just come down to, okay, well, now they have some of these other questions where they're normally strong. But I think, like we talk about with, with other units in the conference, you know, the, the defense in particular has kind of earned the benefit of the doubt to think, well, they'll be able to do this because they've done this before. Like they came into this year having to replace like Luke Barku and, and you know, some other pieces off of that 2019 defense. So 
again, they weren't that far away. They were four and two in the conference and they were not that far away from being six and oh. No, you're right. Like, yeah, the yeah, San Jose State was probably the one where they weren't right there. But yeah, they they're good. Like, okay, maybe I'm overhyped. Maybe I'm not saying it right. Maybe I thought they finished worse, but four and four. Maybe also him being a coach that's been around before. But he did find what he had to. And again, it wasn't everything his coaching followed. There's injuries and a few things here and there. All right, next coach. Um, we have already right Steve Adazio. Kalen DeBoer. How does he not get an A, man? He got a B. You, did you give him an A? I honestly don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. What, okay, what would you give him? What would you think? There were, There's one A, so that's why I thought it might be you. No, I think I probably gave him a B. Why is and that? that's because, you know, and it's kind of like the flip side of, of San Diego State where you know, I think the big question for the, for the Bulldogs coming into 2020 was, you know, are they going to be able to turn the corner on defense? Yeah, because the offense was just as potent as I think me and a lot of optimistic Bulldogs fans expected it to be. Like the quarterback situation seemed a little shaky going into the fall. And then, of course, Jake Hayner problem solved. That That is no longer a question going into 2021. Um, you know, he's, he's got the young receivers around him. He's got Ronnie Rivers coming back. So the offense, I think, was as good as other people expected. But the defense still has work to be done. And and I say that even though, you know, they made strides in being more disruptive. But in, in just in terms of like yards per play, for instance, I think there's still an improvement to be made where, you know, if they can improve from being kind of a, a below average defense by that metric to being even an average defense. You know, that's the difference between them like losing the New Mexico game to close the year and winning it. And I think, again, as we talked about with Colorado State, and, and I think it applies to a certain extent with every single one of these first year head coaches, you know, they dealt with COVID pretty much all throughout the season. Mm-hmm. You know, they were missing starters, especially later in the year where they where they dropped those last two games to both the Lobos and and the, the Nevada Wolfpack. Yeah. So it's you're you're kind of have to grade them on a curve where even though the defense wasn't all the way there, you know, there were glimmers, especially in the first half of that schedule where it looked like they were making progress. Cause you know, in the, in the opener against Hawaii, they allowed six and a half yards per play. Not great. But when they beat Colorado state, when they beat UNLV, when they beat Utah state, they were allowing fewer than six yards per play in those three games. You also noticed those are like the bottom teams of the conference as well. Yeah. And so, yeah, you, you have to consider that as well. And then of course they had a layoff after that where they missed two weeks and then came back and they were still dealing with COVID afterwards. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't necessarily the, the campaign that I think a lot of people hoped for around here. But given everything, I think it is. Why? It, what it, were they expecting? Like they, it wasn't really that disappointing because I think you know if they proved to be kind of the same team they were last year with a little better luck, then th- that was probably fine. I was wondering, like, what were they expecting? Five hundred records seemed pretty good. I mean, I think a lot of people were expecting a little bit more. Why though? Like we didn't know who the quarterback was. You you right, rightfully mentioned how the defense has played. Like what what more were they expecting? Like I felt that was probably on par i mean i think they were maybe expecting to win one or one more of those shootouts if not more okay just curious i was wondering because i I felt they overachieved a bit because i think that they're but i think that they're in much better position and and like like with the aztecs i think fresno state ended up you know i predicted them before the season to go three and five and so by that measure they were I guess a little better than I thought they would be. But I think that was mostly because I wasn't totally sure whether the offense was going to be as good as it was in 2019. 
And I think there's definitely the potential for them to take a step forward on both sides of the ball going into 2021. I agree, yeah, because Ronnie Rivers is coming back. That's a big deal. Yeah. Painter's going to be back. Like, this team, like, the West is going to be crazy good. Like, and I look at their idea of realize their schedule. Like, they beat up on the teams they should beat up their bat. And, like, mm-hmm. they were – New Mexico is kind of an anomaly because they played really well, which they did with Cole. And I think it was their Chavez. Chavez was the QB, their fifth-string quarterback. But Ronnie River, Rivers wasn't healthy. They had some weird stuff happen that game. So, had they got four and two, it would be – I don't know it would be that much different for me because they beat up on a bad New Mexico team. But, like, Nevada, they were sort of close. They just got behind early. But mm-hmm. I think the future is like – and also, the reason the offense is so good, like, the reason Kellen DeBoer went to Indiana to be their OC – he, he went back at full Fresno before. The team was top two in the conference in most offensive categories, two Mountain West championship games, and a victory. It's like, he's your guy to be here. You know what I mean? Like, his grade of a B, the only reason it wasn't higher because he didn't get, like, a four wins or something. Like, he didn't get four to five wins. Mm-hmm. And so I think next, like, out of all the coaches, like, when you look at who's coming back for a year two, like, I'm going to put him at the highest on the list. Like to be the biggest improvement and probably the best team out of this, these six. Interesting. Why is, oh, do you disagree? I, I would have to give a little bit of thought. Okay. That's just my, th- like, uh, okay, that's fine. That's fine. We'll go to ne- the next coach, Todd Graham, Hawaii. He got a B overall. And what was your off the cuff grade since you don't remember what you actually put on here? Now, I mean, I think, like I said, a B sounds about right. Me too. And, and I say that as someone who was very bullish on the Warriors coming into the year. They didn't quite hit the ceiling that I thought that they would. But I think that there's there, there were some things I was a little bit disappointed by that I expected to have. Like, I expected the offense to be more explosive. And I think that that's definitely a big question that they'll have to work on over the, over the offseason is finding more explosiveness in their playmakers. But I think that that was offset a little bit by the fact that the defense was a little better than I thought. And the fact that, you know, coming into the year, they made Secondary. a lot of really kind of interesting, inspired hires on the coaching staff, for instance. Like, you know, Victor Santa Cruz came from a D2 school, Azusa Pacific. G.J. Kim came from the Philadelphia Eagles. And then before that, he was with Todd Graham at Tulsa. Um, you know, they brought in Brendan Marion from William & Mary. Um, so I think that it was a lot of interesting ideas that maybe it took a little longer to come together than, than maybe someone like myself would have expected. But I think by the end of the year, you were kind of seeing what Todd Graham wanted for this team. And I think the bowl game against Houston, that win is maybe the best possible example of that. Like, you know, a team that can play hard nosed defense that can fly to the ball that knows how to play special teams that has, if not necessarily a, a dynamic explosive offense that can pick up chunk chunks of yardage is a, a more efficient offense. You know, they proved that Siobhan Cordero could shoulder a more, uh, you know, run heavy workload as a quarterback than I think either of us would have anticipated going into this year. So I think there's definitely a, like I said, there's, there's still questions abound, which well, I'm sure we'll have plenty of time to talk about it more in the off season. But I think there's also more reasons for, to be optimistic that they can be even more of a headache going into next fall. That makes sense. And also, like guys like Calvin Turner that came on late who surprised everybody. So yeah. players like that. Like the only two puzzling things was the Wyoming loss, 31-7, that was, and San Diego State. Those are like the only two games where I felt like they were inconsistent and compared to the rest of the year. Yes, mm-hmm. they beat New Mexico, as they should have. They beat Fresno fairly easily, which is a little bit surprising on the other end. Like the Nevada one too, because their defense coordinator, like 
said, fine, you're not going to beat us passing. You'll just run the ball underneath or throw short passes. And they got that big victory. Like, the te- they should have beat teams they have. But, like, the Houston win, the Nevada win, shows, like, adjustments they made and what they could be. And, like, right, you mentioned defense. Like, that secondary was really good. Like they were- And they also, showed, they also showed a lot of resiliency later in the year, too, where, you know, Boise State had a big halftime yeah. lead, for instance. And they came back and almost gave themselves a chance to steal it outright, you know, in the fourth quarter. Ended up losing that game by one score. Um, you know, same thing with the San Jose State game where that first quarter really could not have gone any worse for them. And then they came back and, and made it a lot more competitive than it looked like it would have been over the, after the first 15 minutes. And so I think, well, obviously, I think I don't think the coaching staff is necessarily resting on like moral victories or yeah. anything like that. But I think those are the kinds of things you want to see outside the program is a team that'll that'll fight back. No, definitely. That helps them too. Like, so they can realize like, Hey, we can do this. What were we doing 15 minutes ago to where we couldn't. Mm-hmm. And it also goes both ways. Like, okay. The, like the defense gave up points like that Boise game, but the offense wasn't moving the ball earlier either to score points too, to help the defense out. But yeah. I, I maybe Hawaii could be a big jump up as well. Maybe they're a team, but I do like Fresno touch more. All right, let's wrap it up here. We're getting to the hour mark here. So I'll finish up Danny, Danny Gonzalez. He got a D plus. That's way low. You think that's low? Yes. Go for it. Why? Why? They had they had to play like two third. They had to play the entire year in Vegas and on the road. Here's the thing. He's the only coach that got one of every letter grade. Interesting. He got well. It doesn't have to be a couple F's and a couple D's, but he did get an A, B, and a C. But you're right. I think I want to say I gave him a D. I think that was me. Feel like I feel like a lot of people are being a lot harder on these guys than I am. <laughs> you're just you're just a generous teacher helping people out here. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Like, and, and I mentioned it before, but New Mexico, you know, they of course they won the two games in the year, but they also stole a couple victories early on too. You know, they almost they almost beat Hawaii on the road. They almost beat Nevada at home, uh, in home in quotation marks. Yes, yeah, airports um, at home. And you know, while there was a, a definitely kind of a step backwards in the middle of the year where they were a little less competitive in those losses to Air Force and Utah State. Yeah. You know, again, I think there's a lot of extraneous factors at play where, you know, they they had a quarterback shuffle that they weren't necessarily expecting to go through. No kidding. You know, they yeah, had a lot of young guys, you know, missing time. They had, you know, a lot of young guys getting thrust into roles, you know, on, on both offense and defense. So was it it was it a kind of a, a very up and down year? Yeah, but I think overall, I would, I would give him a C at worst and probably better than that just because he faced a lot more demanding circumstances than just about anybody else in the conference. No, you're right. Like they in Vegas all year, they had to mention the walk. The quarterback in the last game was a high school, played high school state championship, was a walk on, and he's probably mm-hmm. only on the roster because he's from New Mexico and one of the best QBs in the state. It was what? Isaiah Chavez, and he mm. was efficient. I'm looking right here, like 95 yards rushing, 14 of 18, 196 in TD, no picks. That was the game where Rivers was hurt, and they tried to get him that touchdown. He couldn't do it. But, like, I think you're right. Like, when you look at all the circumstances, maybe a C probably would have been more accurate. I don't know how good New Mexico will be next year, but we mentioned last week, Gonzalez said no to Power 5 defensive coordinator jobs. He's mm-hmm. committed to New Mexico. may not be a 10-year, 15-year guy, but... It's his first head coaching gig, and he's not going to give up. Like any self-respecting head coach, who cares what program we're taking over, how down and out of this, 
you're not going to give up after one year unless something really bad happens. Mm-hmm. And so I do agree maybe grade would be a touch higher. I, I Maybe I gave him a D and probably should go back to a C. But with all they went through, they had, like, the Nevada game was good. It was a one-score game. They had the two wins at the end of the year. Like, they showed improvement and with the guys they had. And remember, too, like, Bob – or, sorry, I was going to say Rocky Long. Bob Davey brought in all the JUCO guys. And so that's also a, a trouble in as well. But, like, beat Wyoming, beat Fresno, close to Nevada, close to Hawaii. Like, the two of the better teams, they were within a touchdown. So, like, outside of, like, San Jose State game, whatever, it's early on, it's tough to deal with. But, like, the Air Force game – they had opportunities, all those fumble recoveries. Remember that? Like, all that happened? They didn't get, take advantage of that. So, there will be improvement. I'm curious to see with, with Danny Gonzalez getting a full offseason, prep for everybody to see what they can do. Mm-hmm. Final coach. How much do we need to say about UNLV, Marcus Arroyo? I have two words for you. Yes? Year zero. I mean, I see that he get an F here, but again, I feel like that's really unfair. Why? Wow, he won no games. Was, considering the hand he was dealt. How was it worse and, than and Mexico? I know that, and I know that I mentioned this at more length in previous podcasts, the fact that they were starting so many young guys, I think, you know, more so than just about anybody else in the Mountain West. You, again, you kind of have to grade it on a curve. You're like, you, these, this, you can't really treat these exercises like they're context neutral. I agree, but did you see the margin of defeat this team had? I did. They were, okay, New Mexico was at least within one score in multiple games. Their closest defeat was what, the 17-point loss to San Jose State and Hawaii? Like, they weren't even close. Like, it's not like they were losing by 10 points here or even 14 points. They were not scoring touchdowns. Their defense was garbage. They played a million young guys, which could be their saving grace for next year for all these younger guys. They had quarterback issues, injuries, and effectiveness, but they weren't even competitive. That's why I gave them a failing grade. Like I gave them an F because of how – now that the, I get it, it's year zero. You're coming in. It's a weird offseason. You're not able to practice. You can't train. You can't meet in person. Forget the fact they didn't win a game. They weren't even close in these games. You're too nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like, every there was a 2D, somebody gave him a C, maybe that was your grade. There are all Fs, 2Ds, and a C. I can't argue. I might, I might have been the C, yeah. to be honest. Like, I get your point where a tough situation it is, but everybody was dealt within the standard deviation a pretty difficult hand this year. Boise had so many players out with injuries, and then COVID gets canceled. You had San Diego State get injuries, games get canceled. CSU played four games. New Mexico had the toughest situation to hang out in Vegas all year. San Jose State had to play in Vegas the past couple weeks. But they were they, – UNLV didn't win a game. They weren't even close. There's – like, I get it. He'll do better next year. But this was by far a, the most forgettable Rebel season in, like, decades. And probably, I'm sure you'll find a, Rebel, a lot of Rebels fans that would agree with you. I just think that, you know, like I said, the context matters. So how, what context is there to give them a higher grade? I think the fact that you saw glimpses of playmakers, you know, especially those underclassmen that I mentioned, like you, you saw flashes. Like, of course, they had the freshman of the year in Kyle Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they brought up, you know, Zyel Griffin, another wide receiver. They, you know, they played half the year without – or rather, I think a handful of games without both of their starting tight ends. 
yeah. you know, they they had a kind of a quarterback shuffle, some of which was due to ineffectiveness, some of some of which was due to injuries. I think you know the bigger questions for them are: Are they going to be able to, you know, continue developing pieces on defense? Because, like you mentioned, Jacoby Winman was definitely mm-hmm. an impact player. Adam Plant ended up being a little better than I than I thought, but they're going to need to develop a little more of that. Like it can't just be those two guys. So they're going to need some more of those guys to step up in the future. And you started seeing those guys get more playing time down the stretch. It's, and this is like, honestly, it's a, it's kind of a three year thing. You have to think about UNLV where even next year, there's probably going to be a long stretches where it's not pretty. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to look at the the small victories for a team like this that in a lot of respects is really starting over everywhere. The fact that they were breaking in like two true freshman quarterbacks at the same time, you know, you basically never see that anywhere. True. And I guess the one good thing is they get Charles Williams back for another year. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a huge deal for them. But like, I get it. All the young guys are there. But then again, we're grading this year. We're not grading on potential. And so your grading criteria is different. That's fine. I'm not going to go against it. Just just want details. Well, and of- you, also, you also brought it up in a lot of our recap podcasts where you know, the final scores are a little bit deceptive. And I wish that I had looked up what the, the, the splits by quarter were. Because one thing that you brought up often throughout the year is the fact that they just kind of tapped out late, you know, yeah. whether it was due to like, you know, endurance, whether it was due to this, that, or the other thing, you know, they were, they lost by two touchdowns to Fresno, but they were neck and neck with them for basically three quarters, for instance, you know, they, yeah. you made, they landed some early haymakers against San Jose state before kind of fading a little bit late, you know, same thing against Nevada. So was it, like I said, it wasn't necessarily like, it wasn't a good year by a lot of objects, but if you kind of look closer and consider kind of the situation that Arroyo was stepping into, that's where I think it matters. You know, that's where I think the grade matters. I think it's a little better than a lot of other people might see. No, I make I hear you. It's maybe I don't look deep as enough, but you're right. Like I'm looking at a couple of scores here closer, but again, that's also, you can look at it two ways. Yes. They started off full on games, but then they don't have the depth. They don't have the endurance. They don't have whatever to finish games out to whether it's close losses or wins. Like mm. That should change next year to a degree just because assuming or hopefully next this off spring football, assuming what they're able to practice, assuming spring football probably could be mostly normal, you would think, for the most part. Like next year, their non- non-conference slates, kind of tough. Like at Arizona State and Iowa State, UTSA is a good chance to win. They play Eastern Washington. That's they're a pretty good FCS team, so we'll see how that goes. But I expect them to, like I expect every team to be better. Like out of all these teams, the only like is there any team on here that could be worse next year? Considering Colorado this, State. That's all I think. <laughs> like the Rams, but that's mostly because of like personnel loss, right? Not mm. necessarily the coach itself. They lose the assistant coach. They have a new quarterback. They lose some really good receivers. But that's the only team. But even them. They may not be. I don't know. That's the only. Team. I I kind of agree with you there. Every other team, I see positives to be better. You want to be a touch, like partly because it can't be worse, can it? This was a really weird year. Y'all are really mean. That's all it I'm is. gonna say. We're... <laughs> <laughs> it, I know, but I'm just I'm just saying. Like you go over, you're not close. It's uh, I hear you. Matt's a nice one here, so you can direct your email, anger tweets to myself here. So. And the rest of the staff, I guess, didn't grade very well. We gave your Fresno State team a good grade. You can be happy for that, right? That's true. All right. I think we'll wrap up today. We've got just over an hour. 
So check us out, mwwire.com. We'll have some more football stuff this week. Next week going forward, we'll figure out what our podcasts are going to be. Probably do a little, I guess, put the notes out there for who's doing what for these All-Star games because that's coming up and some draft content. But yeah, mwwire.com, tell a friend, and we'll be back next time.